Today's scripture is from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. About the time a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married, the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special boy and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a, blank, a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe at the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the baby was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, as for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Craig. Well, our theme as we move into the message portion this morning is uh, against all odds. And uh, today, of course, is Mother's Day. Uh, perhaps there are days when mothers say, against all odds, we will get through this. We will we'll move on. You know, and kids get real savvy when they want something from their parents. Uh, most families want a little dog running around. We've watched this in our, in our family just recently. And uh, grandkids figure out the best way uh, to get a puppy for Christmas is to beg their mom and dad for a, a baby brother. And then you just kind of settle somewhere. I like the little one-liner on mothers. Uh, every time you talk to your mom, your mind should remember that this conversation will be recorded for training and quality purposes. <laughs> so you better be careful what you say. I love the one man's uh, woman's reply to mom's reply to her kids. If you want breakfast in bed, sleep in the kitchen. <laughs> um, can I just say that uh, Mother's Day is not always the easiest Sunday for many? I get that. Uh, it can be an emotional day on a number of fronts. So this is not a sermon on guilt this morning or not measuring up or anything like that. I just want to reaffirm your significance uh, as moms. And uh, sometimes I know it's discouraging uh, to be a mom. It's, it's tough. But I just want to reaffirm how significant you are, uh, moms, because what you do and who you are makes a huge difference. I saw a little guy not too long ago. He stumbled and he fell and he skinned a knee and it bothered him for a little bit. First stop was to tell his mom about his journey and no sooner was it out of his mouth and he was fine. <laughs> he was just up and running again. He just had to say it to his mom and then life continued as normal. There is something about saying it to mom that changes everything. Moms are quite amazing people. 
a teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet. You know those magnets and you can pick up little filing clips and, and bobby pins and whatever and it'll just be attracted to it. So she gave her class a little lesson on the magnet and what it does. And the next day, in a written test, she included this question. It said, my full name has six letters. The first one is M. I pick up things. What am I? And when the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find that almost 50% of the class answered the question with the word, mother, mother. They completely forgot about the magnet. Every mom knows about picking up things. A teacher asked a boy this question, suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and five children, what part of the pie would you get? A sixth, replied the boy. I'm afraid you don't know your fractions, said the teacher. Remember, there are seven of you. Yes, teacher, said the boy, but you don't know my mother. Mother would say, she doesn't want any pie, so you get to have it too. Now, I want to introduce you to a wonderful mom this morning. Uh, you might have met her before, but good chances are you forgot her name. She doesn't wear a name tag very much in the Bible. In fact, it's a bit of a challenge to track down her name. But I'll tell you up front, her name is Jochebed. Does that make you say, oh, Jochebed? Or do you want to say, still doesn't ring a bell with me? Well, you know her son better than you know her. Because Moses was a dominant figure in Old Testament history. We know Moses, but we don't know a great deal about his mother or his father. If you search it out, you'll find their names tucked away in some family records in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20. And that's about it in the whole scripture. It says that Amran married his father's sister, Jochebed, and she gave birth to his sons, Aaron and Moses. Now that's about it in terms of name tags. But the storyline today takes us to Exodus 2, and it's a fascinating story of a mom up against all odds. And first of all, you have to see their difficult environment. What a difficult environment in which to raise a family. We use the expression today that he was born on the wrong side of the tracks. And such words could not be more true for Moses and his mother Jochebed. Perhaps you're familiar with the times in which Moses was born because of the famine that Israelites had been granted permission to live in Egypt. And those were back in the days of Joseph. But the years had gone by. In fact, about 400 years had passed. And this little company that entered Egypt, perhaps only a couple of hundred people, had now grown immensely. And they settled in a province of the country called Goshen. And Joseph long ago had died. And the Pharaoh that granted permission to the Israelites to come into their country had long ago passed from this life. So this was a new day, and the new king who came to power was threatened. The Israelites living in their country was uh, now outnumbering the Egyptians, which was a formula for disaster. 
It was becoming painfully clear to the Egyptian administration that their country was now in jeopardy, that there could be a takeover if they didn't put the, the brakes on the population of the Israelites. So there went out an order to restrict the growth of the Israelites to only girls. Verse 22 of chapter 1 puts it very graphically. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Now this is the tough environment into which Moses was born. His parents already had Miriam, his sister, who was perhaps, perhaps a young teenager at this point. And Aaron was probably about three years old. But when Moses was born, the political and economic climate had severely changed. The Israelites were oppressed. They worked hard under the blazing sun and day in and day out. They were slaves in Egypt, forced to build these large cities like Ramses. Life was horrible. The Bible says that the Egyptians made their lives bitter. And you can imagine when Amran came home from a blistering day of working out in the sun, making these bricks, after supper when Miriam and Aaron had gone to bed, and it was time now for mom and dad to also go to bed, you could perhaps hear Jochebed turning to her husband in bed and saying, Honey, you need to know something. I'm pregnant. We're going to have another baby. And I'm scared. What if we have a little boy? And as she puts her head on his chest, you can say, hear her saying, Honey, I pray. I pray it's a girl. I could not bear to see my son thrown into the Nile River. The thought of that just makes me sick. I don't know what I would do. I, I couldn't handle it. Now, isn't it amazing how God works? She doesn't have a girl. She has a boy. And this is the environment into which this little guy, this little baby Moses, would be born. God is well aware of our childhood context. He's well aware of it. Yes, I think, too, if we could know the heritage out of which we were born, we would be amazed at the sovereignty of God we would be amazed at the way he has worked and the great men and women who have impacted our lives. History is full of courageous men and women who have gone before us. I've been thinking a lot about our family tree. And when my grandfather came to this country from England, he was only 21 years of age. He married young. He homesteaded in the Huxley, Troshu, Three Hills area. But one thing he was clear about was his relationship to God. And he and his wife made Christ a priority. Now that decision influenced generations to come. It influenced me. And recently, only a couple weeks ago, at a family reunion, we saw the tremendous impact that Grandma and Grandpa had made on their family. Because they made a decision to follow the Lord. Now, Grandma and Grandpa had seven children. Most of them made the decision to follow Christ. But some married partners that didn't believe. And it was easy to see how the next generations were impacted. 
Some of the kids were clear that they were not going to follow Christ for, for whatever reasons, and others decided to really follow the Lord. And the family members that did follow the Lord, they now have a long line of Christ followers that have, have, have come after them in successive generations. It appears that the side of the family that didn't embrace Jesus as Savior has a long line of family members that have no real idea today of what it means to actually be a Christ follower for whatever reason. And it touched my heart again and, and I thought I just need to say it to you that your life for Christ today has more impact on your family and the next generations than you may ever know. You may have grown up in a home where your parents really didn't understand the personal faith in Christ and what it means to have a life of purpose and significance in Him. But isn't it incredible that we can change that cycle? That we can impact our generations and by God's grace, if there is another five generations to follow us, they will look back and they will identify you as a person who impacted the generations. Wow. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, About this time a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son and she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Now you might be reading that he was a, he was a beautiful baby. He was a beautiful baby. That's an interesting translation because as you know, every mom and dad think their children are the most beautiful kids alive. And it's all right to be biased. We used to carry pictures, you know, of our kids in our wallet and I'd always take it out and the picture would look so bad and it'd be crumpled because I've been sitting on it for years and now we carry hundreds and thousands of them on our smartphones and they always look good they just kind of strike it along and it moves and it's wonderful the New Living Translation translates this word as special a special baby and even that's a bit nebulous Jochebed looked at her son and she had insight that this child was destined for something great. <laughs> she could see something good was going to take place in the life of this child. Uh, maybe the dominant word was destiny. I mean, Jochebed saw destiny in this child. And parents, I don't need to say this too much because I know you get it. Speak words of life and promise into your child. They soak it up because they need it. Or they might not let you know that they need it. They might not give you the signals back. But figure out their buttons. And what a challenge for moms and dads to speak into the lives of their children and to tell them that they are special. Your words are heard deep deep down, moms and dads. Your words are valued. You may not get too much feedback, but don't let that discourage you because the words penetrate one layer at a time. But they'll get there to the core of who they are. 
And I wonder if Jochebed had a sense that this baby would be the deliverer of the nation of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. I wonder if that might have twigged in her heart, if God gave her that window to see through. And my guess is yes, partially. And you know that Jochebed would have never lived long enough to see the hand of God on this child in terms of him leading the children of Israel out of bondage to a new land. I'm sure she would have been long gone by the time the children were actually delivered. But she had a sense, Jochebed did, of who her son was. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. So this was the difficult environment into which Moses was born. I guess I just need to say, although your story is radically different, God brought you into this world and he always saw you as a beautiful baby, as a special child, as his special creation. And he always saw what you could and would become. So a difficult environment, but a courageous faith. Verse 3 informs us, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds among the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Now imagine trying to conceal a three-month-old. How do you keep that baby from crying? And they managed for three months, but it soon became impossible. I'd like you just to see the commentary in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11.23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Now, isn't that a great verse? They were not afraid to disobey the king's command. God gave them an unusual courage to protect their son, and I love the confidence that God inspired in their hearts. So they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. They had a sense that God was up to something, and I'm sure they had no idea really what. Her courageous faith goes into action. She put the little baby, and just, just imagine this, she put this little baby in a basket, and she waterproofed that basket so that it wouldn't fill with water. And she put the basket in the reeds so that it would be caught and it wouldn't float away downstream. What faith to trust God to put your baby in a little basket in a river. And yes, there were crocodiles in the Nile River. And she knew that. But she trusted God that this was the safest place she could find. And, and you know, when God is watching over our children and we are praying for them, they are safe. We do the very best to provide for them. But when things are taken out of our control, it doesn't mean that God isn't looking after them. We put them into the basket of God's care and we kind of have to hand them over to the Lord. And as they grow up and they climb on board an airplane, 
that will take them to some remote part of the globe where they will be at risk. We trust them to the Lord. We do the best we can to waterproof them and prepare them, but eventually we just got to trust them to the Lord. We're waterproofing them in our homes and in our children's ministry, uh, preparing them for the road. We don't prepare the road for the child. We prepare the child for the road. We teach them and pray for them and invest in them and speak words of faith and blessing into their lives so that when it's time to go, they're aware of who they are in Christ and that they have someone who walks with them all through life. What an important role for moms and dads. This is a courageous faith which led to a creative plan. She had Miriam, Moses' sister, standing away from the basket at a distance, watching to see what would happen. Now, this was just by the way Miriam happened to be standing there. No, no, not, not just happened to be standing there. This is a carefully thought out plan. The baby is in the basket in the river. Miriam is hanging around, kicking rocks nearby, looking very casual, but she's keeping a close eye on the basket. And they know that this is the bathing spot for the daughter of the Pharaoh. Oh no, this has been, this has been very well thought through. This has been very well thought through. Jochebed has a courageous faith. And then wise decision making. Courageous faith means thinking things through. God expects us to have a plan. God expects us to use our wisdom. God expects us to use his wisdom. God would want us to be strategic in advancing his cause. We all know it will take his hand. We all know it will take his touch. But we have a part to play, to have faith. God has a part to play. And, and, and God has his superintending hand. But we work together in the raising of our children. Now, surely the plan is to appeal to the motherly instinct of the pharaoh of the pharaoh's daughter the princess it says when the princess saw the basket among the reeds she sent her maid to get it for her and when the princess opened it she saw the baby and the little baby was crying and she felt sorry for him this once must be one of the hebrew children she said don't we admire the courage and creativity of this dear mother, Jochebed? That is amazing faith. But what a wise plan that she comes up with. Surely she would have been filled with hesitation. She could have been paralyzed with fear. What if this princess doesn't want the baby? What if she just empties that basket into the Nile? What if, what if, what if? But no, we won't go there. We're going to trust and that was the, the posture of Jochebed we're going to trust. Miriam is right on cue. She just magically appears before the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She knew her lines very well. Not shall I go and get my mother. Oh no, shall I go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. 
And history hangs on those words. Yes, do. Yes, do, said the princess. That was a God prompted response. That was under the sovereign umbrella of God. Out of the mouth of an Egyptian princess who believed in the many gods of their culture came an, imp- an answer that would impact our history and the children of Israel. I just think that's how God works. That, that's the convergence of what God was doing. You never know how God is moving and how he's working in your midst. Just when you think you're up against impossible odds from the most remarkable, unexpected places comes an answer, and it changes everything. We've, we've seen in our short history as a church, uh, just when we'd come to one roadblock after another, God would just show up and he'd move away the roadblock. Maybe it would be at the 11th hour. I remember not too long ago, just taking a, a few minutes walk around the, the block here. And, and as I looked at the church building standing in the center of this community, I just remember my heart suddenly became filled with gratitude to God because, because he's the one who brought this church into existence. Uh, we were all privileged to be part of it, but we know who was superintending. We know who was providing. We know who was answering prayers and making a way. And it, it couldn't have been anything, anyone but God. And he wanted this church to exist because he sees destiny in our mission. He birthed this church so we could impact our world and our community. God has blessed this congregation. I know we understand that. He blessed it because he wants this church to be here. And now he wants Southwest to be where it is because he sees what we cannot see. He sees the ripples of influence that will come from the churches that are seeking to be faithful to God. And he sees it. We can't see it. We just have to be faithful to do what we need to do from week to week. But God sees the big picture. Miriam said, should I go and find one of the Hebrew women? Should I go? And the princess says, yes, do. Yes, go. The word from the princess, yes, do, yes, go, those words preserved Moses' life. Wow, those are powerful words. Do you know why she said it? Because God's in charge of of the hearts of individuals, of all individuals, and his plan will never be frustrated. Never underestimate the go, the yes, that God's able to bring about. Against all impossible odds, there comes these words, yes, yes, go, go. And Miriam went and she found a Hebrew mother. (laughs) Oh, wait, not just a Hebrew mother. She found the baby's mother. She found her mother. A wonderful plan. Smart mom, wise mom. I love this story in Scripture. And verse 9 is just like God. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I'll pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Imagine, not only is this little baby saved from death in the Nile, but the mother gets her baby back and she gets a monthly check in the mail to pay for her services. She gets paid for caring for 
her own child, only God. And he's been blessing that way ever since the beginning of humanity. Only God. Uh, This might have been the beginning of a child allowance government program. Who knows? Surely we've got to see God's hand in all of this. The mother, Jochebed, did what she did, but she couldn't have done it all on her own. Pharaoh's chosen instrument of death, the Nile River, now becomes the instrument through which Moses is saved. Isn't that cool? His mother even follows Pharaoh's order in placing him in the Nile, but the baby knows just when to cry, and the Pharaoh hears the crying. And the baby is reunited with his mother who will now be able to raise the child during the most formative years, teaching him about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then Jochebed will release him to the Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses will spend his youth in the Pharaoh's court where he will learn law and rhetoric and mathematics and hieroglyphics and even the art of war. And one day, Moses will lead the two million people through a desert and he'll put all of these things he's learned to work, all of those disciplines. God had him just set up perfectly for the mission that he called him to. And you know, my heart just leaps in praise to see the masterful hand of God at work in such a sovereign way. God's orchestrating all of this. And did you notice that God's never even mentioned once in the passage? Still, we know he's at work. There are things that mothers can do. There are things that fathers can do. But ultimately, they have to leave it in God's hands. And that's the hardest thing, isn't it? Just letting go. Just letting go. A mother's love never changes. But parenthood is a constant process of letting go. Letting your child make some mistakes. Letting your teenager learn some things the hard way. Letting your adult child follow God's call, even if it means that he or she will be 5,000 miles away from home. But mothers, take heart. He will use your courageous faith and your wise planning through it all. He's working behind the scenes to accomplish his purpose in your children's lives. And he will use you, but remember, it's not all up to you. He will use you, but it's not all up to you. Someone uh, once turned to a full-time mom and said, almost looking down at her, and what is it you do, my dear? And she responded, I'm socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition, in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from them from the beginning of creation. And she added, what do you do? Moms, God uses every one of you. Doesn't mean you never experience pain or suffering, of course. You have heartache. You surely do. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, had her heart broken. But God uses you, and he uses you to instill in your children a knowledge of faith and a love for God who sees and knows your child's deepest need for salvation. So you work with God. 
you work in tandem with God. It's not all up to you, but God is partnering with you. You are not alone, even when you don't see how it all is going to work out. The environment for you may be difficult, as it was for Jochebed, but that never stops God. Never underestimate what you bring when you bring your best to your children and for the days that you will look back with regret that it was less than your best, give yourself a little grace, some forgiveness, stand up again, and keep moving forward. Let's together stand and pray. Father, our, our gracious, our gracious Father, our superintending Father, our God who goes before us, we are amazed at your heart for us individually. You know us, everyone by name. You see every detail of our lives. Sometimes we panic and we fail to see how much uh, you're at work in our lives. Uh, Father, just as you remind us today from Exodus chapter 2, we are so grateful that you're always working behind the scenes. Thank you for our moms today. We give you thanks for them. We bless them. They are beautiful gifts to us. We ask that you'd bless them through the um, changing seasons, from young moms to uh, grandmas and to great-grandmas. May they know that you provide in sovereign and mysterious ways Give them the ability to trust their situations into your care. And Lord, thank you this morning for, for the Exodus 2 reminder that although life can be difficult, we have a Heavenly Father who loves us. We have Jesus who showed us the way and who forgave us. And his name is a beautiful name. His name is a wonderful name. And we have the Holy Spirit who keeps filling us and lifting us up and moving us forward, all in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.